Hey, Kairos. It's okay. This is audience response time. Hello, Kairos. Y'all good? Uh, my name's Garrett. I'm honored to be here. Uh, grew up down the street. Went to school down the road at Belmont. Go Bruins. And, uh, oh. Hello. Wow. Blessings, indeed. That's awesome. Didn't expect that. I don't even know where to start. Uh, went to Belmont. After Belmont, moved all the way out to West Texas. Some of you are probably not from Lubbock. So moved out to Lubbock uh, and met a girl in Lubbock, Texas of all places. Um, I went to Bruin High. This girl went to Ravenwood. Uh, crazy enough, we met in West Texas, found out our parents live, what, maybe 0.4 of a mile down the street from each other our whole lives. Um, so what do you do when that happens, y'all? You get engaged in six weeks. Um, it's just how it works. Uh, yeah, see, the, the, Chelsea's here, by the way. She's awesome. Uh, the goal is marry them before they know who you truly are, right? And so that's what has to happen. And so we met um, middle October, engaged, kid you not, December 22nd in my parents' backyard off Concord Road. Uh, crazy. But when you meet Chelsea, you're going to go, yep, she's awesome. She's great, and I want to know Jesus the way that my wife knows Jesus. We met, and everything changed at that point. West Texas, uh, here's a, if you fast forward, there's a picture of us now. Uh, six years into this whole thing called marriage, um, and if you guys have that, it's just a little bit of us in a nutshell. Um, that's Chels. Uh, top left is our oldest. That's Cam Campbell. She's four. Uh, Hayes is on the right. Um, the dude that cannot ever look at a camera. Uh, that's him. He's two. And then Collins is our, our newest little lady. And she is, what, Chels, seven months old? Um, is that yes, thumbs up? Cool. Um, that's where she's at. And so I love them. But if you rewind six years, we got to go to Easter together. Literally, we'd been together for six weeks, uh, married the next May. I think it's May. Don't quote me on it, babe, but I'm pretty sure I'm there. And uh, we got to go to this Easter service, our first one together. I was pumped. I love Easter. What's not to love? He's risen, right? So we show up at this Easter service. It's me and Chels and a whole lot of our friends. I'd been in Texas for about eight, nine years at that point. Chels was new to the scene, but we were in the middle of the service, like right in one of the middle pews. And the pastor was just jacked. He's like ready to go. It's Easter, right? So they're going to say something that everybody says every Easter. And if you know it, you better say it loud. I'm, I'm telling you, audience participation helps me, okay? So if you know this, you know the end of it. Loud and proud. Are you with me? The pastor says out loud, he is risen, and the congregation says, he is risen You're all crazy. Crazy. I, I, 32 years in the Baptist church, and I looked at the, I, I had been in this church for nine years, and I looked around and going, you're in a cult. All of you are crazy. How did you, is there a class upon membership? What happens that everybody knows the ending of this line, but after nine years at this church and 32 years in a Baptist church, I'm going, huh? I'm looking around, and honestly, Chelsea and I had just gotten married. She's the one teammate I've got in this room at this point, because right now I'm like, everybody here is mad. What is going on? And they were boisterous about it. Like the pastor said it with some umph, and then they said it with like double umph, if that's a thing. They were, they were on it. And I looked at Chelsea and I said, Hey, uh, before I said anything, she looked at me and goes, you didn't say it. And I said, oh, no, she's one of them. She is one of them. What, 
clearly we needed to date longer than eight weeks or six weeks, I think is what it was. And I'm like, oh, no, what, what is this? Like, what is this? Is, uh, show of hands, who's heard this in the room? Who has heard this line? If that's not you, cool. Welcome to my team. We will meet afterwards in the gallery. I can't wait to see you. But I didn't know. Year two rolls around of our marriage at Easter, and I am pumped. Why? Because I'm in the club now. I'm going to say it right on time. It's going to be awesome, and here we go. Pastor says it, again, full of enthusiasm, and I respond. He's risen indeed with everybody else, and it felt good. Nailed it. You go to year three. Show up here. I said, I'll never forget it. Never forget it. Boggs was on stage. Mike was on stage. We're down at the other end of the building. We're like fourth row. We're like in, in the zone right there. I'm ready for it. I'm ready. I learned my lesson in Texas. You Baptists are not going to get me again. Um, and I can say, I, I, I are one. I are one. I can say it, right? I was ready. And I think Boggs said it. I'll never forget it. I remember sitting in that pew, and it was almost like I couldn't move, y'all. They said that he is risen. And then they said it with oath. He has risen indeed. And it was like this... 32, 34-year-old kid who has been to a lot of Easter services heard it for the first time. And that's my prayer for you tonight, that you would see this text. And, yes, we've read it three times. Why? Because we love the word. You love the word. That's the culture of Kairos is adhering to the beauty of this book, walking with him. And I just remember being so stunned of the fact, and maybe that's you tonight, where you just marvel at the fact that it's true. And maybe you came in tonight going, hey, I got dragged here, literally dragged here. I don't know where I'm at, but everybody said the same thing at the same time, so I'm kind of guessing this might be a weird group of people. And I'm like, yes, it's probably true, but he's true. And if you come in tonight, we want you to know that this book is true, and you can attach your life to the good Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and everything changes from that point forward. He's good like that. It was a stunner. Let me argue this to you. Sometimes in the Gospels, the, the most profound truths of the Scripture, I will argue all day, are the simplest. Sometimes in Scripture, the most profound things you're going to generate out of that text by the power of the Holy Spirit are the simplest. He has risen he is risen indeed. And let me unpack that. If you're going to say he is risen, that is an, uh, an authoritative declaration in that moment. But check out the second part of that. You're adding indeed onto the end, which means if you are a believer and you say that, you're going, I'm staking my whole life on it. He is risen. He is risen indeed. I'm sure of this. And you're going, how do you know? How do you know, dude, that this whole thing, this whole book that you cherish so much is true? How that happen for you? My prayer in this moment right now is the Holy Spirit in the way that only he can will show your soul how good he is. How do I know? Let's go through it. Check it out. If you go to Luke 24, Luke 24, he says it this way. The women are up first. On the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices, you've heard it, that they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away. Why? Because there was an earthquake and an angel was sitting on that bad boy. Right? Like, right? The, the Roman guards were there. It was sealed. The angel shows up in the presence of the heavenly ones. This is shaken. So the ladies show up, and they bring in spices. And hear me say, ladies, I'm not hating on the ladies right now, but they didn't get it just yet. Now you're like, dudes are like, yeah. I'm like, no, 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 dudes. We don't get it at all. You're about to find out. 
But the ladies wanted to honor the Lord and do what they knew in that moment. Their heart's cry was, I'm going to honor Jesus. I'm going to take these spices. I'm going to get his body ready for burial. They had forgotten, along with the men, of what Jesus had said three times in this same exact gospel in Luke. Hey, I'm going to be turned in. It's all going to go bad. And then it's all going to go good. Watch. Okay? Ladies show up with spices. They find out the stone is rolled away in verse 3. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Circle Lord right here. We're going to walk through this whole lordship thing. While they were perplexed, confused about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. So you've got angels on the scene. Some gospels say one, some gospels say two. It's fine. They're angelic. Don't get hung up on that. The heavenly host has arrived. And they've got a message. And here's the deal. Uh, Some scholars will say this is a sharp rebuke to the women. Some scholars will say this is a light rebuke to the women. In other words, they're going, hey, uh, you should have remembered. Jesus said this over and over. Hey, I'm going to get turned in. It's all going to go bad. And then it's all going to go good. They forgot. So the angels get the coolest thing. And I think this is a small rebuke, yes. But think about it. This is my favorite question Angels say in the scripture, angels ask in the scripture. They've got the son of God's news in their back pocket, so to speak. And they get to ask the question, why are you searching for the living among the dead? And can I ask the same question to you? Why are you searching for the living among the things of this world that are dead? There's a king who has come. King who has come. The ladies have a breakthrough moment, and it's awesome. Verse 5, they were frightened, but I need you to know this. In this moment, it's not that they're scared to death. It's simply this scaredness right here, this moment of fright produces awe, produces worship. I think Eugene Peterson nailed it on that version with that, uh, the message right there. I think he nailed it. Moving forward, they're frightened, their, their faces to the ground, and the men said to them, Favorite question, why do you seek the living among the dead? As Bog said, he is not here. Another question for you, do you really believe it? Like to the point in uh, whatever church you're in for the rest of your life, you're saying indeed just a little bit louder when somebody brings it up. I'm banking my whole life on the fact that he wasn't there when they showed up. He continues, but has risen. And then the angel said, remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, crucified on the third day rise. Okay? Three times in Luke, Jesus goes, hey, this is going to go terrible, and then it's going to go really good if you're going, Garrett, where? Where? I appreciate your heart for digging. Here you go. Uh, really, really quickly, Luke 9, 22, first spot. I can give you these after. If you want any of these notes, I'll just sit right here afterwards and we'll talk about it. Um, Luke 9.22, Luke 9.43 through 45, and Luke 18.31 through 33. There's a dude who was here a really long time, last five years. And I remember sitting in his office, and one thing he'd say to me all the time is, gee, you have to develop an insatiable curiosity for the things of God. Devour the word. Don't just hear this text of this sermon. Go dig, dig, find out what it means. Insatiable curiosity for the things of God. We move forward. It says it this way, verse 8. 
And the women remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all of these things to the 11. So dudes were now on the scene. And to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, mother of James, continues. And the other women with them who told them these things, or excuse me, who told these things to the apostles. Here we go, guys. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe. Your translation may say idle tale, a myth. Uh, Your translation may say nonsense. If you go way back into the original languages, it is literally parsed out to the effect of they are out of their mind sick. They've gone mad is how it's translated. Another thing in this culture, Joel Green says it this way, those doing the reporting in this moment are women in a world biased against the admissibility of women as witnesses. That's how it was then. And the disciples just kind of brushed them away for a minute. And we move on, but there's one. And we get to him. But Peter, he's got a funny story, right? A lot there. Have an insatiable curiosity into Peter's life. It's crazy, it's cool, lots of lessons. But Peter rose, and he ran to the tomb, Stooping and looking in, and he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling, marveling. Circle that word, marveling at what had happened. In other words, for Peter in this moment, this was a game changer. On his own, ran there, saw that it was all nothing there, just the clothes that were there. And Peter walked away with the wheels churning and turning, going, wonder, just in awe, what has happened here? Can I compute it? Can I try to figure it? And so one of the goals walking out of Kairos tonight that we want you to have is we want you to marvel as Peter did. One of my favorite things, just a side note, no scholar is ever going to talk about this, and I aren't one. But one thing that's neat is you get this picture of Peter walking away from the tomb, and he had a moment by himself on Easter You you ever had a moment to yourself on Easter just to think through the beauty of this whole scene? It doesn't come very often, but we're going to give you that in just a minute when Cameron comes up. Let's sit and let the word just seep into those cracks of our souls where we have attached our lives to dead things, and now we go, nope, it's not good. We are attaching ourselves to the life of the living Christ who is the resurrected rescuer of my heart and yours as well. It changes everything here. Sam Alberry, uh, Keller, Tim Keller quotes him in one of his Easter books. And I love this quote, and I think Sam's right. He's a pastor here in town. Alberry argues that many Christians, while believing in the resurrection and rehearsing that belief every Easter Sunday, get this, then effectively stick it in the back drawer for the rest of the year because they are at a loss as to know what to do with it. Let me say it one more time. They effectively stick it in the back drawer, the resurrection, for the rest of the year. Because they are at a loss as to know what to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, what what happens? Like, you get in the Honda, and you head to, well, it's not going to be Chick-fil-A, but it'll be something maybe as good. And you're going, what do I do with the resurrection? Like, that was cool. Like, what I saw, what I experienced, the community, the worship, cool. What do I do now? It's a good question. It's the right question. Here's what you do. You allow your soul to marvel. You get a quiet spot and you marvel at the beauty of what Jesus has done for you. The fact that he's alive and wants to know you 
and being owned by you. You marvel at him, but it doesn't stop there. More so than just marveling, you attach your entire life to the person of Jesus Christ. The whole thing. Verse 3, what do they call him, Kairos? Verse 3, what do they call him? They call him Lord Jesus. In other words, they ascribe to him, your king, your master. My question to you is this. There are other masters in this world that will always let you down. Any master other than Jesus will let you down. Jesus will be a good master to you. He will lead you correctly. You marvel at him as the rescuer, what he's done that today symbolizes, and moving forward, you call him Lord. And you start to watch that daily lordship with Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit start to shape, prune, change, move, and you start blooming into everything that you were created to be in Jesus. Stop falling for dead things. Jacoby said that so well in the first service. Stop falling for dead things. He's alive. Don't trade him in. This one's alive, and he's king, and he's come. You need a rescuer, savior. We're good with that. I heard a lot of you guys, there's a lot of millennials in this room and a lot of Gen Z. That's awesome. I are one. Um, I'm like the oldest millennial probably in the room, and that's cool, okay? But here's what I know. Here's what I know about Gen Z, and here's what I know about millennials. We love the fact that somebody wants to rescue us because we love the fact that, like, somebody would come and even get near us with this junk that we've got in our hearts. We don't necessarily love somebody telling us what to do. Let Jesus do it. He's a good master. He's the true king. You need a rescuer and you need a Lord. Kairos, Jesus is both. You need both. Stop buying the lie that there's anything better than Jesus. I'll never forget it, Passion, one year when Louis said that, and it wrecked me, almost like he is risen, he's risen indeed. And I was just like, oh, my goodness, he wants to be my Lord too? That's crazy. Yeah. How do you get through the rest of the year and just not leave the resurrection on a Sunday at Easter? You adopt a lifestyle of lordship in Jesus. You go to the back in a minute. If you don't know who Jesus is but you want rescue, there's people in the back right outside that corner at the end. There might be people right up here too. Come find me, anybody on Cairo staff. If you need Jesus, don't vacate the premises until you know him. Come get him. He's ready. It's Easter. It's a perfect time. If you're going to get it, I don't really understand the idea of lordship. Will you talk to me? Yes, there's an unbelievable staff of people here, and I'm happy to do it too that would go, here's what Jesus has done for me, and here's what, I don't have it all together, by the way, y'all. I don't have it. I ain't figured it out. But I want to know Jesus so bad that he just changes every aspect of my soul. He's a good king. He's the good Lord. Daily walk with him in the scriptures. Get a Bible reading group. Join in one-on-one -on -one with somebody. Find accountability. Just marvel at what he's done. Marvel at what he's done. Attach your life to a king to where you get to the point next year. You show up at any Easter service in the South. And when that person comes up on stage and goes, he is risen, you're going, I know this next part. I know it. In fact, I've been practicing in the car on the way in. I'm ready. And when that indeed part hits, you're all in on the chorus of the saved. Because you're going, yep. Yep, yep, this is the moment, this is the moment. I am banking my life on it, and I will say it loud in front of my brothers and sisters. If you need Jesus, tonight's your night. We offer him to you. We don't offer a concert. This is what Kairos is great about. They're not ever offering a concert here. They're holding out Jesus. 
And Jesus is saying, he's the best. We're going to talk a lot about him. We're going to sing a lot about him. He has risen. He's risen indeed. He's good like that. Father, we love you. We don't pass by this moment. We sit in it. We let this text that we've heard now four times, holy moly, seep into our bones. It's where those other things don't fill us like they used to. And Jesus just starts doing a work. Father, for folks in this room that are going, I don't know Jesus. May your spirit work them tonight to see beauty and truth and freedom and life. And may they find somebody before they leave this place. For those who know Jesus, but they don't get lordship just yet. May conversations begin, centered around your son, for your glory, for your name and renown, for the desire of our hearts. All God's people said, amen.